This is Mary Lewis at A Tiny Homestead. The podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today, I'm talking with Naomi of Gnomestead Farms, LLC, where she's developing a brand new breed of, ra- breed of rabbit called a gnomish giant. Good morning, Naomi. Well, good morning. How are you? I am well. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, so tell me about Gnomestead Farms. Well, we started out as a hobby farm um, doing just rabbits in an apartment back in 2015 and just kind of grew from there. Um, we now do goats, rabbits, chickens, ducks, and kind of kittens. <laughs> Um, just as a, but, uh, mostly we focus on rabbits and goats, um, and, uh, we're creating a new breed of rabbits called Gnomish Giants, which is very popular in Minnesota, Iowa, uh, Missouri, and a few other states. Um, and they've even made their way into Canada. Okay. So are they a a blend of, of two different rabbits? Um, they started out as Silver Fox and Rex. We um, only are crossing now in uh, some new color lines, um, but they're they're pretty much in the hybrid stage. We're just about finished with them. We just need to get the final coat put on. Um, the end result is to be a Rex coat giant rabbit with um, the Silver Fox ticking. Um, if you know what that is. Uh, I, that I do, ring. yes. Okay. Um, and then we're going to get a satin sheen on the top of that. Um, we want them to have... Um, really wide, tall ears. Um, and unlike most of the rabbit body types that there are, our goal is to have um, what we call the bulldog of the rabbit. So we want it to be more of a boxy figure um, rather than the tall ball form that um, most of the show breeders go for um, to create more of a like balanced look and a balanced meat rabbit. Um, right now we've been getting about seven to eight pounds by 10 weeks. Um, sometimes a little bit better. Some lines aren't as good. Uh, just depends where we are in, um, that development stage. Um, but, uh, people are replacing their New Zealand rabbits and their California rabbits with them already. Um, even though they're not done, they go by their name. Um, we make sure to tell people it's not a breed yet. We haven't announced that, um, as being done because we still have a little bit more work to do. Um, they're not, we're not pedigreeing them also because of that. Uh, people often say, can I have a pedigree? Well, no, it's not a breed yet. Um, it's just a hybrid stage, but we are just really close to getting done. Um, so that's, that's pretty much where we're at with that right now. And how long has it taken to get to this point? Well, we started in 2015. Mm-hmm. So a long eight, time. <laughs> eight, eight years. years. Eight yeah. years. Yep. Yep. And, you know, they say a breed can take up to 20 years to complete. So um, we're not really in a rush. We want perfection. We want it to go well. Um, we're not trying to create a mutt. We're trying to create a, you know, vibrant meat rabbit that has, you know, no uh, health problems. So far, we haven't had any issues with any health problems. So we're, we feel like we're going in the right direction. Um they're pretty much heat tolerant. Uh, they're <laughs> cold tolerant. Um, you know, we haven't had any real issues that we've been informed from people. Um, we've had a lot of repeat customers that come back for, you know, sometimes a dozen rabbits 
you know? So um, we had a, a gal that just came from Missouri. She drove seven hours one way to come get, you know, almost a dozen rabbits from us. Um, people get on the waiting list for up to a year sometimes. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really good adventure for us. We've been really happy with it. Okay. Um, so the breed that you're tulip, is it going to be also for showing rabbits or is it just meat rabbits? Well, meat and pet, we really don't have an interest in showing. Um, it's been a big question and there's, you know, been some irritation on the show breeders side because they, they feel like if it's not registered with the show community, it's not a real breed, but that's actually not true. There are dozens of not registered breeds out there like the Tamak um, and uh, quite a few, actually, even some silver fox colored varieties aren't registered um, and they still legitimize those. But um, the reason being is we've put all this work into creating our rabbit. Well, in order to be part of Arba, um, you have to pay them a fee and then you have to ask their permission to um tell you what your rabbit should look like basically. Um, and then they get the copyright to your work. So um, that's, that's pretty much where I stand on that. And, you know, I, I, I did the show thing for a while and it was fun, you know, but um, there's a lot of disease that you can bring home with it. And that happened to us after just only a year of being in the show, we did 4-H for a while you know, and, and there's a lot of fun to be had in that. There's a lot of, you know, people like to earn those awards and stuff. It just really wasn't for us. Um, so the meat breeding, we like to eat the rabbits, um, you know, and for us, that's where it was at. We got started in rabbits because we wanted to eat the meat, create the sustainability. Um, we got into it during that last recession, you know, where everybody was losing their jobs. And um, I became disabled at that time. I had a day spa and I lost my job, which meant my husband lost his job because we ran our day spa together. Um, so we basically found ourselves in a position where, well, what do we do now? We have nothing. So we bought a few rabbits in an apartment and started raising meat rabbits to feed our two kids. Um, I think my son was five and that would make my daughter have been around 10. Um, so we started raising our kids, um, was something kind of that I always wanted to do anyway. We learned how to, how to eat weeds, you know, and had been doing the herbs and things like that at my day spa was a hundred percent natural. And, um, uh, you know, so we were always into the nature and my mom was a hippie and things like that. So, you know, it was kind of already on our path. We just hadn't expanded into the meat um, side of things. So uh, we got our three does and a buck and an apartment um, <laughs> and just kind of started small from there. Then we bought our house uh, over in Hayward, Minnesota. And uh, they call it rabbit math. Rabbit math happened. <laughs> yes, I, I'm aware of rabbit math. Our, our rabbits failed at rabbit math. Oh, we, no. <laughs> we, we got, we, we acquired two does and a buck, um, last April. So like two Aprils ago. Okay. And one of the does got pregnant and she gave birth in June to nine babies. And we ended up with four because it was the day it was so hot last June. Oh, and yeah. we lost, we lost five of the babies to the heat. 
And so I brought the mama and the four babies in and kept them in a bin on my kitchen table and changed that bin every day and prayed over those bunnies because they were awfully cute. And we did grow them out and we did butcher them and we screwed it up and we didn't get a single bite of rabbit meat. Oh no. And then we got some more rabbits and they did not understand that they were supposed to make baby rabbits. We bred them (laughs) four or five times nothing happened. So we're no longer in the rabbit business, but I I understand what you're talking about because we studied up and and tried and failed. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that. It's fine. Well, and you know, I actually do have a a group called Minnesota Meat Rabbits uh, on Facebook and We've been coaching um, rabbitry for most of the time. Well, probably the second year that we got into this, people just started reaching out to us for help. And back then we didn't know a lot, but we would, you know, ask our mentors to help us mentor, um, which helped us learn really, really super fast. Um, Things that we didn't experience, but we'd learn from other people. Um, So, you know, I, I know that rabbits don't breed like rabbits. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> rabbits will eat their baby rabbits. You know, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that can go wrong. And, you know, there's so many ups and downs. And like I said, we brought home a staph infection from one of the shows that we went to and lost most of our rabbitry. Uh, people were telling us, oh, it's Pastorella. You have to kill them all. Um, start all over, you know, and um, turned out it wasn't. And even if it had been, you can treat that. They were t- telling us it was untreatable. Um, we finally went to our vet and worked with a bunch of labs um, that specialize in rabbits and found out that that's uh, a myth that goes around um, the show community and that um, every rabbit actually carries pasturella, carries bordetella, carries uh, staph infections in their nasal passages, and they only get sick when their bodies get run down. So, you know, you you need to quarantine them just like when a a person gets sick, um, you know, we, we go stay away from each other because we have an active infection. So you do need to quarantine them while you're treating them, but you don't need to kill them. It's not an instant death kind of situation. You know, you just go get some Batril from your vet and um, give them their shots until they're well again, um, you know. So we, we had a lot, a, a huge learning curve, really expensive learning curves while we were trying to create this breed, but we lost some amazing stock um, in the beginning, even when we decided to try to show our not, you know, our actual show rabbits, because we did Rex and we did Silver Fox while we were creating the hybrids to creed, you know, and so we were like, okay, well, let's show these. There were people making fun of us saying that we were selling um, crossbred rabbits to 4-H people and that we didn't know what we were doing. And we never, ever did that. We only sold the purebreds to the show people so we actually decided, well, we're going to go show our rabbits, make sure we know the difference between, you know, what people are looking for for show so that we sell properly and things like that. So we went out and did that. And um, we ended up taking uh, a ton of best of breeds. Our rabbits have been to the state fair, taken home state fair championships, taken BOSVs, um, you know, and so um it's just been a great experience for us, you know, to learn what the, the community is all about on all the sides. Um, and, you know, it's sad that people like to badmouth each other in the community. And I think that that's a set off for, you know, people getting into the shows and stuff like that. But um, 
you know, we, that's why we're, we're kind of leaning on, we want to stay on the meat side. Um, that community for us has been just amazing, um, supportive. And, uh, we like to support people. We like to, you know, build people up, teach people. We've had people over here for classes. Like if they, if they're like, we want to do this, but we're kind of squeamish and we don't know, um, how to do this. Can you help us? We'll set up a class and bring them here and just say, okay, here's what's what we've spent days, like whole days with just a couple of people, um, just kind of teaching them the ropes and letting them do it in front of us and stuff like that. So that's gotta be so rewarding and so much fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Are your kids still at home and are they still involved with the, the rabbits? Well, our daughter is 21 now and moved out. Um, she moved to Illinois and got engaged. Um, she comes home twice a year and raids our rabbit freezer <laughs> to to take home to her new family, um, which they absolutely love rabbit. And so she'll make them like bacon wrapped rabbit bites and different things and takes it to parties, um, introduces more of the world to rabbit. Um, and she just thinks it's fantastic. And um, they think it's fantastic. So uh, that's where she is. My son is 16, uh, still living at home, but he just started college yesterday uh -huh. um, as a PSEO student. So he's going for culinary arts and maybe maybe he'll bring some rabbit deliciousness to the army because he wants to be a army um, or what was it? Uh, he wants to be a chef for the military. Um, that's to work for the higher ups. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's his goal. I love so, yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we've we've covered rabbits fairly extensively in the uh, 14 minutes we've been chatting. <laughs> um, well, that's, no, that's, that's kind of been our, our outgoing passion for the most of our time. But yeah. No, that's fine. Um, so are there other things that you guys do? I see Goatery is part of your, yes, your name. Yes. Yes. So um, after we got into our uh, first house, we had our intentions were to become self-sustainable. And so we had uh, bought a few goats um, only to find out that uh, we were not zoned for goats um, after all, which we had been told. So um, we ended up having to sell our goats, fix up that house and sell it. And then we moved here um, because we absolutely wanted these goats so bad. So, um, we now have nine goats and they are not even close to easy. I'm telling you, mm -hmm. <laughs> you think that rabbits are hard. Goats are harder. Um, but we have uh, nine goats. Three of them are being milked. Um, we sell our raw milk out here at the farm. Um, I learned how to make soap because we had so much extra milk. Um, we make some fresh cheeses, um, which we are not licensed to sell. So those are just for the family. Um, but we sell goat meat when we have that available. Um, we do sell the goats, uh, if we have those available, we're kind of just getting started in that. We had a rough start, uh, in the goats, um, our first year. So, uh, turns out like things that people don't think about with goats is they need a balanced, um, diet and balanced minerals. And sometimes the mineral you get at the store isn't good enough. So we did a lot of research. Um, I have I have a certificate in nutrition also. So uh, that came into play a lot with um, how we do things out here. But it turns out our well water was causing nutritional deficiencies in our goats and we kept losing them. Um, so we did some research and found out we had to have our mineral bar out here, which is um, all 20 minerals are individualized. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we had another goat that was just declining and she was down on her knees and crawling around and we just could not figure it out. The vets couldn't figure it out. Um, so we brought these minerals in individually and, um, within three weeks after we brought these in, she's been up and healthy ever since her baby's up and healthy. Um, and we haven't had a problem since. So, um, that's been, uh, just amazing for us. So if anybody is listening to this podcast and they are having any issues with like declining goats and they've had them tested for yonis or CAE or anything like that, and they're still having problems, it, it may not be parasites even if you've tested for parasites and they're healthy, I would check your minerals and maybe check into getting some individual minerals for your goats because um, the, the the ground that you're feeding them from, the water that you're feeding them from, it, it all kind of plays into that um, to where you might just need individual minerals that you set out in the dishes and they need to pick it themselves to be healthy. So that was something that we we learned the hard way. Um, so, but now we've had just great success with that and all of our goats are healthy and happy and making beautiful milk, beautiful goat milk soap. Um, the meat is fabulous. I don't know if you've ever had goat meat. Not yet. I I really would like to try, but I haven't been able to get my hands on any yet. (laughs) Yeah. We're, we're looking into trying it. We we've considered goats here, but we have three acres and a huge amount of that three acres is the house, the pole barn, and the garden that we grow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I don't, I know that goats like to have friends who are goats. And so we'd have to have more than one goat. And I don't have the room, nor do I have the pasture, nor do I think it would be safe because we live just off of a major um, road that goes from Lesor toward Arlington. And I'm really afraid that the goats are so smart that they would figure out a way to escape and they would get hit. Because <laughs> my, my friend in high school, her parents had goats, and that's where I learned about baby goats being the cutest thing on earth. Mm-hmm. And their goats were so mischievous. They got into everything. Her dad, her dad had fantastic pens set up in the barn. He had a place for them to graze. And it seemed like they were always doing something crazy. So, so I think we're just going to stick with our chickens and our dog and our barn cats, because at least then I, I know what's happening with my critters for the most part anyway. Sure. Sure. Um, I'm really glad that you brought up the, the nutritional issues you were having with the, the mama goat, because part of the reason I want to do this podcast for people is we all know things that other people haven't figured out yet or we don't know things that other people have figured out yet. And so I want to share other people's stories of how they're doing it so that if somebody is getting into goats or rabbits or cows or horses, they can learn something from listening to this podcast. Yes, sure. So yeah, that's part of the reason I'm starting this. And I've talked to a couple people so far and I have learned things already that I had no idea about. And we're homesteaders here. Okay. We, we are more on the agricultural side. We grow a huge vegetable garden and we have apple trees, cherry trees, and peach trees. And that the cherries and the peaches are new. We just bought those this spring. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping that within four years we will be able to sell 
cherries, peaches, and apples. Right now, two of our apple trees that we put in back in October of 2020, so a couple months after we moved here, we have apples on those trees for the first time. And I'm so excited. I can't wait to make an apple crisp out of the <laughs> old 20. We're probably going to get 25 good apples from the two trees because they're young. Mm-hmm. But but so excited to see those baby apples this spring. I, I almost cried. You know, I was like, I, it worked. <laughs> Our apple tree we got with the house, it's finally got apples on it too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just been bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, this summer has been horrific for growing anything unless you can water every single night yeah it's it's been miserable and today and tomorrow are going to be even worse so mm-hmm. i don't know what happened to beautiful farmland minnesota but it's it's not quite as easy as it used to be no yeah we just bought uh electric fences um they they're portable and so our pastures they got we have two rotational pastures on our five acres for the boy goats and the girl goats, they, they eat alfalfa hay and grain, you know, because they're milking and stuff. So we rotate the boys outside and then the girls, um, they eat pretty rich food <laughs> mm-hmm. to keep their milk production up. But um, the electric fence, we have to just keep moving it around because nothing's growing fast enough to keep them in those pastures. So we had to buy these new fences to get them out into the other, you know, the rest of the five acres to eat the weeds that are you know, just kind of sitting there that they couldn't reach before. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, we need some rain. (laughs) We really need some rain. And the weeds seem to be doing great. Our garden is full of weeds. Yeah. Well, and goats, that's more what they eat anyway. Um, You know, is they prefer the weeds and the tree branches and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's good that they can get out and do that. But um yeah, they eat they ate everything down that they wanted to eat in those pastures many times over. So we were just like, well, now what do we do? You know, so we were going to build another pasture and we we're like, well, wait, why don't we just get one of these movable ones? And then they can just kind of go down one side, go down the other side, and then maybe by then they can start over. <laughs> yep. Rotational grazing at its best. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to run out of time. So I need to ask you, how did you come up with Gnomestead Farms as your name? Okay. Well, um, my name is Naomi. And as a child, my little brother called me Gnome. That nickname stuck in college. Everybody was like, oh, what's your nickname? And so I would tell them and ended up nobody even knew I had a real name. Um, so the first guy who sold me a car in college sold it under Gnome Thompson. And I was telling him, that's not my real name. You can't put that on the title. He goes, no, it's fine. It's fine. And somehow it ended up on the title. And um, even my my family, uh, my in-laws, they still call me Gnome. Um, so for most of my life, I have been Gnome. And so uh, we named Gnomestead after me. Cute. So <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys have a logo with a gnome? Um, yes, our logo has a gnome, a goat, a rabbit, chicken, and duck. And we do have a sign that is going out at some point um, that's made out of raw iron that'll be at the front of our, our farm as well. So Adorable. I love that. Thank you. Our, um, our farm name is a tiny homestead. And it was named that before we even knew we were going to be living here. We lived in town 
in an 850-square-foot house with a postage stamp-sized backyard and a four-car garage behind the backyard. And we started growing veggies to feed our kids in that little tiny backyard. Um, and and then we had the chance to grow a garden on friends' land that was, they had 24 acres. So they, they let us pick a spot to grow a garden. And I needed a name. So I was like, well, our house is tiny. We're practicing homestead skills. Let's go with a tiny homestead. There you go. <laughs> and then we ended up moving here in 2020. And we now have a little over three acres. So it's not quite as tiny, but it's not a big farm. So I figure it still is applicable, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And our our uh, our logo is a line drawing of a farmhouse with a oh I can't think of the name of it now the circle that shows north south east west a compass a compass, compass. <laughs> sign as the vent on the side of the little farmhouse because this is home and it has I think it has two small potted plants and a couple chickens down along the base of the house that's our our logo oh fantastic so yeah, it's been it's been really fun. And in talking with other people who are doing things like we're doing and like you're doing, the things that keep coming up is it's a lot of work. Yes. But it but it is fun and it is satisfying and it is um I don't know, heart heart lifting. It's it's really good for your spirit, your soul. Yep. As long as when you're training your livestock dogs, you don't eat too many chickens. <laughs> yes, that too. Our do our dog never goes near our chickens because they are away from her. We just got a new four-month-old puppy that we're training in. So, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, our dog is three. She's an Australian Shepherd. She she would love to herd the chickens, but when we introduced her to them, when she was about two and a half months old, three months old. We introduced her to them by her being outside the chicken run mm -hmm. and she would, she would see where they were in the run and she would run around to where they were, but she couldn't get to them. They would run the opposite direction. She would run all the way around the run to get to the other side where they were going to be. And she just exhausted herself every time that we did it. So we just used it as exercise for her. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Cause she's, I was afraid she would, she would eat them by accident, like kill them by accident. And we really wanted to have eggs, so we wanted our chickens to stay alive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so what's the best thing that's happened to you in your homesteading adventures? Hmm. I think all the people that I meet, because my life has been trying to make people smile and make people happy. And when I was no longer able to do that in my day spa, I lost something. I lost a piece of myself. And so trying to find something that I could do again to bring joy to people, um, this has pretty much been that for me. Um, so when people come and they, they get their milk or they get their eggs or their rabbits or whatever, and I, I get to see them leave happy, um, that that is what life is to me is making other people happy. 
well, then you have accomplished your goal and then some. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, I only needed about half an hour and we have that. I, I really, really appreciate you talking with me. When I put the call out for people to interview, I thought maybe a couple people would answer me. And I have over 40 people who are willing to chat, <laughs> chat with me. It's it's going to be so much fun. And I'm very new at this. So I'm learning as I go. And anyone who's willing to take a chance and chat with me, I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. If you need anything else, don't hesitate to reach out to me. All right. You have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. Right,